May I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our transgressions and our sins weigh upon us, and we waste away because of them. So we heard in the Old Testament reading. Familiar, I wonder. So often we seem to have an obsession with sins and failings, whether that's our own failings, our own sins, or the sins and failings of other people. Get to the stage either, well, I'm doomed, I'm finished because, well, this, that, or the other, whatever I've done. No matter how many times we're told we're forgiven, we still beat ourselves up and convince ourselves God could never possibly forgive us because we've done this, that, or the other. On the other hand, we declare, well, that person, well, yeah, no chance, they're done for, you know. They've done this, that, they can't be helped. God couldn't possibly love someone who did something like that. Or we declare they need to repent publicly before they can be forgiven. You know, the, the placards in towns sometimes, repent or go to hell. Okay, yeah, we've got to repent. We've got to turn our lives around. I, I acknowledge that, I admit that, I remind myself of that time and time again. On the other hand, having the fear of God knocked into you with a placard on the street corner is not the most appealing form of evangelism, I think. No, no wonder, so often, those outside the church are convinced that the only thing Christians are concerned about is sin. Our own sins or the sins of others. How often is there an impression that people are condemned by Christians for one thing, another that they've done, their background. You know we hear about forgiveness through Jesus Christ, but that gets crowded out by an obsession on just concentrating on people's sins. The negatives, not the positives. Yes, of course, we need to look at our lives, we need to turn around, refocus on Jesus time and time again. Yes, we mess it up. Yes, we turn away, then we come back again, hopefully two steps forward, one back. We need to repent. Actually, there's more to life as Christians than just that. In fact, that sorting out conflicts, sorting out sin, sorting out failings is addressed by Jesus in the Gospel reading. Sort it out with the person. If that don't work, get, have a couple of people try to help. If not, have an involvement with the whole church. If even that fails, well, yes, the person might be sent out, cast out for a while. Let them be as a Gentile or a tax collector, Jesus says. But then what was Jesus doing with Gentiles and tax collectors? What was he doing with them? Was he just saying, I'm not having anything to do with you, you're dodgy? Was he actually reaching out to them in love, showing them that no matter who they were, no matter what they'd done, God still loved them. The rule of St. Benedict speaks about if a member of the community sins. There's that same idea of reform, complete with them then being chucked out of the community for a while, but still the abbot has a duty of care for them. A duty to make sure they're okay, to show God's love still, and actually that desire to bring them back in, if at all possible. 
yes, there is a division, but that desire for that to be fixed, for reconciliation to happen. So that's what we hear in the gospel about how to deal with these conflicts. On the other hand, how do we deal with it sometimes? Or how do I deal with it, come to that? Well, possibly I'll get myself worked up and then withdraw from conversation because I can't cope with it too well. The stress builds up. Maybe I'll snap at someone. Maybe I'll start moaning to friends about it. Maybe I'll send a snappy email that afterwards I think, why on earth did I click send? Eventually I'll sort of get it sorted out. But you know, all the things, am I the only one who does this kind of thing? I've tried to, doesn't deal with conflict and fallings out and disagreements and sins we've all committed. You know, that list at the end of Romans. Live honourably as in the day, not in revelling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in, not in quarrelling or jealousy. How much do we think that quarrelling is just part of it? Well, if we quarrel, that's fine. It's, a sin. it's not a sin we think about too much. It's something we, we all end up doing. Snapping. Lashing out. Rather than dealing with quite what's going on behind it. And we do need to sort out the <coughs> conflicts and the disagreements which occur. The mistakes we make, the failings we have because they can damage and even destroy relationships inside and outside the church. They can be and are incredibly damaging. Don't we all know it when it goes horribly wrong? Speak to the person. Get help from others in it. Deal sensibly, maturely. Try to bring about reconciliation. Not going into it hoping there's a big blowout. Sin, recognition of sin, acceptance that something's not right, and doing something about it to try and sort it out are all important things. But how do we handle this? We are reminded in the Gospel reading. The other question is why do we sort it out? What is our focus? Why are we doing what we're doing? Well, we hear something of this in the Epistle written to the early church in Rome. An early Christian community learning how to exist together as followers of Jesus. A new way of life which no doubt will have had all kinds of teething problems. As any new way of life, any new start does. As we try to work out with our different places, different backgrounds, different Genders, different prejudices, everything else all lumped together in a new community, in a new relationship. How do their expectations work even? We all expect slightly different things. We all do things in slightly different ways. The community was trying to work through all of this and Paul reminded them, the one who loves fulfills the law. That's the heart of it. The one who loves not the one who rejoices at pointing out other people's failings. Not the one who loves to wear a hair shirt to show that they're a sinner. No. The one who loves, and Paul says, if, you, if, if love is a focus, that sorts out everything else. If you love, you're not going to go around murdering, 
or robbing or anything else if love is at the heart. You know the summary of the law. Jesus said, love the Lord your God, love your neighbour as yourself. Love God, love neighbour, and the one we often forget, love ourselves. That's got to be love in action, <coughs> not just some kind of theory or talk, but actually doing it, living that love. Paul reminds us, get this sorted, concentrate on love, and the other bits can fall into place. On the other hand, when we forget this, when everything else going on gets on top of us, including obsessions on sin, or the pressures of the world, pressures of life, for clergy, pressures of ministry even, it all starts to fall apart somewhat. We forget why we're doing things, even. We all know this. And at times we all fail, we all mess it up. Forgetting about God's love for us and for others, because it all gets too much and we concentrate on what's going wrong, we concentrate on how can we try to fix this, get frustrated, we lash out at others, we forget about living in God's love. Love God, love neighbour, love self. If we don't love ourselves, how can we show love to God or to others? If we beat ourselves up all the time, how can we treat others in a better way? Because you know, if love your neighbour as yourself, if you don't love yourself, you can't really love your neighbour. Or if you're loving your neighbour in the same way, that means you're beating your neighbour up as well, you know. Love God. Love your neighbour as yourself. And we're reminded in the epistle, aren't we? The time is now. Not next week, not next year, not when we've got a bit more time and everything's settled down. The time is now. Don't mess around with other things, other priorities, other things that don't matter. Concentrate on the love of God, the love of, love of neighbour, and the love of ourselves. Don't put it off until a later date. Let other people know God's love for them by how we are loving them. Live it in every part of our lives. This week it was the meeting of the governing body of the church in Wales and Archbishop Andy gave a presidential address and he acknowledged in there that it's hard and that we need to acknowledge quite what's going on in the church and come up with a plan for how we're going to do things, how we're going to actually live the gospel, how we're going to play our part in building the church, not just staying still and doing as we've always done or pretend it might go away. But actually live the gospel in such a way that other people can come to faith. Acknowledge what's not right, acknowledge what needs to change, and play our part in building the church. All of that is hard, really hard. But we're not doing any of it on our own. The epistle reminds us, put on the armour of light. Put on the armour of God. 
we're doing all of this not on our own but in God's light God's power God's strength with God's protection in the epistle Paul quotes Jesus who in turn quoted Deuteronomy in the Old Testament those of us who grew up with the older liturgies of the prayer book I mean 1662 I've been used to over in the Church of England will have been used to hearing the summary of the law in the communion office the first of all commandments is this hear O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul with all thy mind and with all thy strength this is the first commandment and the second is like namely this Thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. There is no other commandment greater than these. I was half expecting the response from the prayer book to be recited at the end of that. Of course, we've not celebrated the 1662 in Wales for quite a long time. 1980, the Green Book does have the summary of the law, doesn't it? With a response. I've never celebrated this Green Book liturgy yet. I need to do that one of these days. The summary of the law recited time and time again, if not the whole Ten Commandments in the liturgy, reminding us love of God, love of neighbour, love of ourselves. And there's no commandment greater than these. Let us be fixated not on sin, but on love. Love of God, love of others, love of ourselves. And through this love, may we see this love affecting, <coughs> impacting, and changing the whole world. Putting this love into action rather than just thinking or talking about it. It's hard, but with the help of God, we can. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.